Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Episode 3 of a Wikipedia reading of Venus, the sort of famous uh, morning star, called Phosphorus by the ancient Greeks because it's the giver of light. It can actually cast a shadow and sometimes be so bright it's seen in broad daylight at various occasions, you can well imagine. Um, and we find out that Venus is, got, or is the most perfectly well-behaved planet in that it's got a nearly circular orbit, it's got a nearly erect uh, orbital orientation for it being also good, it's just stuffed it up. And it may have too much sulphur in the core or too little sulphur in the core for a magnetic field. Uh, the, it's cooked off its water so it's... Uh, uh, outer surface layer is very stable <coughs> and then refreshing every 300,000 years uh, 300 million years Venus orbits the Sun on an average distance orbit and rotation average distance of 0.72 AU 180 million kilometers where 148 to 152 million kilometers which is 1 AU and completes an orbit every 224.7 days. Although all planetary orbits are elliptical, Venus's orbit is the closest to circular. The eccentricity less than 0.01, so it's within 1% of being circular. Um, when Venus lies between Earth and the Sun, an inferior conjunction, it makes the closest approach to Earth of any planet at an average distance of 44 million kilometers, which tends to make sense, of uh, 41 million kilometers. So 108 plus 41 is um, 149, so which is sort of the average distance. However, it spends a large... Now, the other thing is that you've got the distance... The It makes an approach. It's a distance from the sun... Right, you've got the central radius of the sun, which is half a million kilometers. The it's half a million kilometer radius, so it will come to us. But it's got the, it's. Oh no, I think, no, I, I, I go wrong there. That's a stupid thing to say. Um. However, it spends a large amount of time away from Earth, meaning that it's closest planet Earth only for a minority of time. This means that Mercury is actually the planet closest to Earth uh, at a plurality of time. So, so Mercury is sort of bobbing in closest to Earth whenever Venus is, you know, less than a, a you know, the the distance, uh, the amount of arc of the orbit where. It's actually outside the orbit of Mercury. Most of the time, Mercury is bobbing in closer to Earth. Um, the planet reaches an inferior conjunction every 584 days on average. Because of the decreasing eccentricity of the Earth's orbit, the minute distance becomes greater over tens of thousands of years. From year 1 to 5038, there are 526 approaches less than 4 million kilometres. Then there are none till about uh, 6,158 uh, years. All planets in the solar system orbit the sun in an anti-clockwise direction as viewed from above the North Pole. 
Most planets rotate on their axis in an anti-clockwise direction, but Venus rotates clockwise in a retrograde rotation once every 243 Earth days. So its, its rotation is actually less than its orbital rotation. Earth days, um, the slowest rotation of any planet. Because the rotation is so slow, Venus is very close to spherical. Venetian sidereal day thus lasts longer than the Venetian years year. 234 versus 224, uh, 234 versus 224 Earth days. Venus's equator rotates at a sp speed of 500, sorry, 600, sorry, 6.52 kilometers per hour. Earth rotates at over 1,674 kilometers an hour. Venus's it's all very interesting, I find. Venus, therefore, is the coolest... Uh, Venus is... Page 7, 8... Oh, okay. Venus is... I'm just getting this back, back to front. This page is a bit funny. Venus rotation has slowed in the past 16 years between the Magellan spacecraft and the Venus Express. The Venetian sidereal day has increased 6.5 minutes in that time span. Because of the retrograde motion, the length of the solar day on Venus is significantly shorter than the sidereal day at 116.75 days. So, yeah. Okay, so I, I can mention, so we get an extra extra couple of minutes. Now, it's rotating in such a way that it decreases the day. So our day is four minutes longer because of our retrograde uh, motion, and now it subtracts it from it. Um, making the Venetian solar day shorter than Mercury's solar day, which is 176 um, days in which it does two complete orbits. One Venetian year is about 1.92 Venetian uh, solar days. To observe the surface of Venus, the sun would rise in the west and set in the east, although Venus's opaque clouds prevent observing the sun from the planet's surface. Venus may have formed from the solar nebula with a different rotation period and ability reaching the current state because of the chaotic spin changes caused by planetary perturbations and tidal effects on its dense atmosphere. A change that would have occurred over billions of years. So essentially, Venus, uh, the atmosphere being so thick as a liquid drop, would go to the centre. One would say that if you've got liquid features like that, surely the gas giants would also be a circular orbit. I don't know. So that's interesting about it. it everything slowing down because of the thick atmosphere. Um, a change would have occurred over billions of years. The rotation period of Venus may represent an equilibrium state between the tidal locking of the sun's gravitation, which tends to slow rotation, and the atmospheric tide created by the solar heating of the thick Venetian atmosphere. The 584-day average interval between successive close approaches to Earth is almost exactly equal to five Venetian solar days, but the hypothesis of a spin orbit resonance with Earth has been discounted. Venus has no natural satellites, and it has several Trojan asteroids, a quasi-satellite, um, 
2002 VE68 and two other temporary chosen Trojans. In the 17th century, Giovanni Cassini reported a moon orbiting Venus, which he named Neith. Numerous sightings were reported over the next following 200 years, but most were determined to be stars in the vicinity. Alex Almy and David Stephenson's 2006 study of models of the early solar system at the California Institute of Technology shows Venus likely to have at least one moon <coughs> created by an impact event a billion years ago. About <coughs> 10 million years later, according to the study, another impact reversed the planet's spin direction and caused the Venetian moon to gradually spiral inward until it collided with Venus. <coughs> so if the planet is rotating opposite to the um, um, rotation of the moon, it will actually reel it in eventually. If later impacts created moons, uh, these were removed in the same way. An alternative explanation for the lack of satellites is the effect of the strong solar tides, which can destabilise large satellites orbiting the inner terrestrial planets. Uh, this is a really interesting point, I suppose. Observation. To the naked eye, Venus appears as a white point brighter than any other planet or star from, apart from the Sun. The planet's mean apparent magnitude, minus 4.14, with a standard deviation of 0 0.13. Okay. The brightest magnitudes occurs during the crescent phase about one month before or after the inferior conjunction. Venus fades to about a magnitude minus three when it is backlit by the sun, when planets bright enough to be seen at the clear midday sky, and is therefore easily visible when the sun is low on the horizon or setting. As an inferior planet, it always lies about within 47 degrees of the sun. Venus overtakes the Earth every 584 days as it orbits the Sun. As it does so, it changes from an evening star visible at sunset to a morning star visible before sunrise. Although Mercury, the other inferior planet, reaches a maximum elongation of only 28 degrees, it is often difficult to discern in twilight. Venus is hard to miss when it's at its brightest. Which is you know, brightest is actually quite far from the sun, and as it gets towards the sun, it dims. The greater maximum elongation means that it's visible dark skies long after the sunset. Uh, as the brightest point, uh, like uh, object in the sky, Venus is commonly misreported as an unidentified flying object. Well, phases. As it orbits the sun, Venus displays phases like the moon. In a telescopic view, the planet appears as a small, full disk when it's on the opposite side of the Sun, the superior conjunction. Venus shows a large disk uh, in quarter phase as the maximum elongation for the Sun appears brightest in the night sky. The planet represents a much larger, thin crescent in telescopic view as it passes along um, the near side between Earth and the Sun. Venus displays its largest slides um, and a new phase when between the Earth and the Sun at an inferior conjunction. Its atmosphere is visible through telescopes by the halo of sunlight reflected, refracted around it. So you can imagine basically a uh, my scattering event. Uh, transits. The Venetian orbit is slightly inclined relative to the Earth's orbit. Thus, when a planet passes between the Earth and the Sun, it usually does not cross the face of the Sun. Transit of Venus occurs to the planet's inferior conjunction coincides with the presence in the plane, uh, presence in the plane of Earth of orbit.
transits of Venus occur in cycles of 243 years, with the current pattern of transits being pairs of transits separated by 8 years, at intervals of about 105.5 years and 120, uh, 121.5 years. A pattern discovered uh, in 1639 by the English astronomer Jeremiah Horrocks. The latest pair was in the 8th of June 2004 and the 6th of June 2012. And I organised the school to have a, a female astronomer there for the uh, transit of Venus. The transit could be watched live from many online odds, um, outlets or observed locally with the right equipment and conditions. The preceding pair of transits occurred in 1874 and 1882. The following pair will occur in, 12, uh, in 217 and 225. The 1874 transit is the subject of the oldest film known. Wow. The 1874 passage of Venus, historically transits of Venus, were important because they allowed astronomers to determine the size of the astronomical unit, and hence the size of the solar system. Uh, as shown by Horrocks in, 18, in 1639. Captain Cook's exploration of the coast of Australia uh, came after he had sailed to Tahiti in 1768 to observe the transit of Venus. This is very interesting because Venus um, allows you to... It's a parallax, so it's relative height in going to the sun gives you the actual distance above the um, the uh, solar disk, you know, the plane. So you can actually, basically, going to Tahiti, to London, to observe it, or height, heightways, the different heights, you measure the the height, the, the, the transit size, from different planes of the uh, height in the um, orbit, orbital plane, vertical distances from the orbital plane so it's like a stereoscopic view it's looking it's like having your eye one eye in Tahiti another eye in London that sort of distance is, allows you to to get a stereoscopic distance from Venus to the um, to the earth as a physical distance and then you've got the distance from um, Kepler's laws pentagram of Venus the pentagram of Venus is the path Venus makes with the earth observed from earth Successive inferior conjunctions repeat every uh, a, a nearly 13, point, uh, 13 to 8 ratio. Uh, Earth orbit 8 times for every 13 orbits of Venus, uh, shifting 144 degrees upon sequential inferior conjunctions. The ratio 13 to 8 is approximately 8 to 13 is approximately uh, 0 0.61. Three, uh, five, three, eight. While Venus orbits the Sun every the same some number of years. <coughs> Sorry for my non-COVID sneeze. The naked eye's observation of Venus during daylight hours exists in several anecdotes and records. Astronomer Edmund Haley calculated its maximum naked eye brightness. In 1716, when many Londoners were alarmed by the appearance in daytime, French Emperor Napoleon once witnessed a daytime apparition of the planet while at a reception at Luxembourg, 
another historical daytime observation of the planet, took place during the inauguration of the American President Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C. in March 1865. Although naked eye visibility of Venus's phases is, is disputed, records exist of observation of its crescent ashen light. A long-standing mystery of Venus observations is the so-called ashen light, the apparent weak illumination uh, of its dark side when the planet is in its crescent phase. First claimed observation of ashen light, this is the actual you've got the crescent and it seems to go all the way around. Uh, it was made in 1643, but the existence of the illumination has never been reliably confirmed. Observers have speculated that it may result from electrical activity in the Venetian atmosphere, but it uh, would be illusory, resulting in the psychological effect of observing the bright side of crescent shape. So you can you can imagine your brain painting that distance. Now, I'll just check what the time is. I'll be going. I'll just read it <coughs> a bit. Early studies. Uh, because the movements of Venus appears to be discontinuous, it disappears due to proximity to the Sun for many days uh, at a time, it then reappears on the other horizon. Some cultures did not recognise Venus as a single entity. Instead, they assumed it to be two separate stars on each horizon, the morning and evening star. Nevertheless, cylinder seal from Gemet Nasser period and the Venus tablet of Amisa did from the first Babylonian dynasty indicate the ancient Sumerians already knew that the morning and evening stars were the same celestial object. In the old Babylonian period, the planet Venus was known as Nisana uh, and later as Dilbat. The name Nisanana translates into Divine Lady Illumination of Heaven, which refers to Venus as the brightest visible star. Earlier spellings of the name were written in cuneiform with the sign SI4 meaning to be read. The original meaning <coughs> may have been Divine Lady of the Redness of Heaven, in reference to the colour of the morning and evening sky. Uh, Chinese historically referred to the morning Venus as the Great White, the opener, starter of brightness, and the evening Venus as the excellent West One. Ancient Greeks also initially believed Venus to be two separate stars, Phosphorus, the morning star, and Hesperus, the evening star. Pliny the Elder credited with the realization they were a single object to Pythagoras, 6th century BCE, while Diogenes Lateris argued that Parmenides uh, was probably responsible for this rediscovery, although they recognized Venus as a single object. I'm going to stop there because my nose is filling up and I have to take my son out to a medical appointment. another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.